0: All right, guys. Good evening. If you have your If you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to Daniel chapter nine. <clears throat> Daniel chapter nine. As you turned there, I was uh, standing over there on the side, worshiping and watching you guys worship. And I started thinking, like, what a difference a week makes. Like, you first start off with the songs, and it's just kind of like, okay, we're kind of into it. A few people are clapping. And, and then by the end of it, <laughs> it looked like a wave. <laughs> you guys are just going. And I just prayed. I said, God, would, could this be the revival? Like, could this be the generation that brings your church back to wake up? I once heard this analogy. um, The enemy's terrified when the church wakes up, when the church is awake. Not because we're great, but because God is great in us. But it's almost like right now, or it's been, maybe not now, well, maybe. But for a lot of years, maybe instead of this, just this onslaught, straightforward battle... He just kind of puts us to sleep. And he doesn't, shh. Because once the church wakes up, the gates of hell begin to shake. And I think it's time that the church wakes up and gets back to what we've been called to do. But friends, it starts with us simply following Jesus. I love. When Mia said, just thank you, God, for joy and freedom to worship you in your presence. Like when you read the book of Revelation and you see Jesus on the throne and he's surrounded by millions of angels, and the elders are before him, and they're throwing crowns toward him. And guys, I just picture freedom and and don't we then pray this: your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. It's almost like let our time here, let our worship time with you look like it does in heaven. So I want to challenge you not to worship the experience, but to worship the God who will give you experience as he sees fit. Does that make sense? So during those times where it's like, I don't feel like I did at Hume, Friends, our feelings do not dictate the faithfulness of God and what he says in his word. Ah, oh, it feels like you're really far away, but if God says, I will never leave you nor forsake you, then you take him at his word. Didn't you just sing that? And So thank you for letting me watch you worship. And I'm so thankful that God brought us all through this week to see freedom and joy and last night to see breakthrough and surrender and, guys, it's all of it. And I'm going to challenge you not to just stop now with that breakthrough and healing and surrender. It's like if God healed you of something, like you confess brokenness and your next, thing, your next question would be, God, what's the next part? What's the next part? Like always be open to what's next. Guys, we're going to be working through this process of becoming more and more like Jesus, looking like him for the rest of our lives. So just learn to stroll with Jesus. Just learn to walk and enjoy the stroll and just ask him, what do I need to change? What do I need to change? What do you want me to to do? And then other times he might just say, I don't want you to do anything, I just want you to be. Just be. Learn to be with Jesus and love it. So that's... I just want to share that. Let's pray. We're going to jump into Daniel 9 and finish up our time together. Let's pray. And so, Father, we thank you for another time to be together. To sit under the authority of your word. Knowing that it's trustworthy. Trustworthy that it's reliable, that you gave it to us as a gift. You gave it to us to protect us, to guide us. And as I've prayed before this week, I also pray again, God, would you take a feeble attempt at making much of Jesus and do a great work. God, would you keep my opinion and my agenda and myself, and may may we only hear your truth. God, I pray that you would anoint this time and keep us teachable and humble to receive we pray this in Jesus' name, and everyone who agrees says amen. Daniel chapter 9, look at verse 1. In the first year of Darius, the son of that guy, by descent of Mede, I'm not going to try because I'm going to butcher the name, who was made king over the realm of the Chaldeans. In the first year of his reign, and this is Daniel speaking, I, Daniel, perceived in the books the number of years that according to the word of the Lord to Jeremiah the prophet, must pass before the end of the desolations of Jerusalem, namely 70 years. Guys, I want to stop there for just a second, and here's what I want to challenge you with as you go home. Friends, I do not want you to look for this experience that you had before you look for God and his word. Guys, when you look at Daniel, guys, he was faithful in the mundane. Guys, when you get to Daniel 6, the only thing that they could find to accuse Daniel of, well, he prays three times a day. And so they make that rule that anyone who prays, to other, anyone besides this God or this king, then they're supposed to be thrown into the den of lions. And so what does Daniel do? He goes home. He opens the windows, just like he always did. This wasn't like a revolt. I'm gonna open the windows this time just because I'm ticked. Guys, he always did that. He didn't change a thing. Three times a day, he would break out in prayer by himself because he wanted to speak to his king. But in this passage, he's seeking the scriptures, right? He's looking, he's he's reading the passage like, okay, I perceived in the books the number of years that according to the word of the Lord to Jeremiah, it wasn't, hey, I got this special. He's like, no, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna look through the pages of the scriptures to find out, hey, how long are we supposed to be here? And he found the passage 70 years. Guys, wouldn't that bum some of you out? You're in exile, you're not home, you've been taken to another place, you've been faithful, and then you perceive it from the scriptures that you're really not gonna go anywhere. Your life is gonna end right here. But at some point, we can either make a decision, we can decide either to look at God and say, you're supposed to make things better because I'm so used to that perfect little ending. Every movie I watch has that perfect ending where everything's in favor of the people. We can either go there and become bitter or we can remember what we said to our king. Your kingdom come. Friends, it's not our kingdom And anyone who has a kingdom is king. And we are servants of the king. And friends, this is humbling for me to even say because I can find myself looking at things that are going on or listening to people who are part of our church community and what they're facing. Guys, I'm going back home and on, on Sunday morning before the worship service, I'm going to pray over a woman who's going to go through her second round of chemo for her second bout of breast cancer. And I, I got to be honest, when I get this news, I just kind of go, God, I don't, how, I don't know how to handle all this. Like, I don't get this. Because isn't there just a lot of brokenness? And then I come back to this. God, the way that you've been faithful to me, and through my trials and my afflictions, and our journey as a family, you are always faithful. And I may not see it. I may not understand your ways. But your ways are not my ways. And your thoughts are not my thoughts. And therefore I submit and I surrender. And I need, guys, I still need to improve in that. To just humbly receive and humbly submit to what it is that God is doing and how he's leading. He sought the scriptures and then he said this in verse 3. Then I turned my face to the Lord God, seeking him by prayer and pleas for mercy with fasting and sackcloth and ashes guys you know what he did he looked at the scriptures and he prayed he looked at the scriptures and he prayed and guys no one takes a photo of that no one posts that online they don't take a picture of you Oh man they look awesome when they read nobody cares it's not exciting like we're the excitement we're so used to but Guys, when we remember who it is that we're speaking to and who it is that we're listening to, we're spending time with the creator of the universe, the one who breathed out the star, the one who just spoke everything into existence, the one who is all powerful, all knowing, all gracious, all loving. This God, we get to commune with him. We get to be with him. And his greatest desire is that. And when we get it, Guys, when we understand that truth, opening the pages, let God speak. Just, God, tell me more. Tell me more. And be honest, I don't get this part. And don't feel bad. Because maybe God's sitting there going, you're not supposed to get that part yet. You don't get that part yet. Because you don't get all the truth about God in one passing reading. Guys, this is slow. It's a slow process. And then to just pray and be honest. The things you see going on, I don't understand this. And why is this happening? For those that feel like God's far away, you can pray like the psalmist in Psalm 13. How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long will I have to wrestle with my thoughts and every day have sorrow in my heart? Guys, aren't you thankful that God's like, hey, I'm gonna inspire the writing of my word. I wanna make sure Psalm 13 makes it into it so that the people who come after you, David, when you write this out, man, write out your heart so that those who are my followers come later know, one, you will feel like this. How do I know? Guys, it's in the scriptures, and this was written by a person that God gave the title of, this is a man after my own heart. They need to know that the journey they experience has been experienced by those of the faith before them so that they don't lose heart. And when you continue and you finish Psalm 13, nothing really changes, but he makes a decision in verse, in verse five, he says, but I will, and then he goes through what he'll do. He spent time in the Word, and he prayed. He spent time in the Word, and he prayed. Friends, if you want to grow in your relationship with God, you want to go deeper in your relationship with God, stop using excuses that you don't have the time and make the time to spend time with God, who is the greatest good. You make time. You don't find time. You make the time. Guys, if I showed you my calendar, on my calendar... I have time. It's on there. It says, time with Jesus. And I keep it like an appointment. Guys, it is so important. And I didn't used to. Friends, I, did, I used to say, well, I'll get to it. And, oh, of course I'm going to have a quiet time with the Lord. And then I would, maybe I'd miss it or I'd sleep in because I had a late night doing the Lord's work. And so I'd, I'd, keep, I'd just kind of skip. Well, God knows my heart. God knows my heart. And I, yeah, God knows my heart. Without him, It's evil. No one seeks after him without him. And I'd make excuses, even as I was a youth pastor, even as I was a pastor. Guys, it's only been about the last eight, nine years, 10 years out of the last 30, where my time alone with God has been non-negotiable. Why? Because for the first 20 or so, I was too necessary to God to spend time with God. Guys, that's ego and pride, and I am so thankful that God broke me. Why? Because now I'm a disciple before I'm a pastor. I'm a disciple before I'm a preacher. I just love Jesus. Just love Jesus. Guys, if I could just get us to the simplicity of following Christ, just love Jesus. If you love Jesus, you'll obey Jesus. It's not about, hey, I had the experience and now I know I love him. No, Jesus says, I know those who love me by those who what? They obey my commandments. You cannot claim love for Christ if you don't, if you don't obey him. If you look at this book and say, this and, the, and what the Bible says about this choice or lifestyle, I don't agree with it. I won't disobey. I'll, I'm gonna disobey, but I love Jesus. Jesus calls you a liar, you cannot claim love for Christ without obedience to his commandments. Guys, it's not personal opinion. It is the, it's, it's the opinion of the one who wrote the book, it's the opinion of the King of Kings. But we say, I'll do what you want, I'll take you at your word. Daniel just simply goes into that, and he finds in the scriptures what it says. Guys, you know where you found the passage in Jeremiah? If you want to take your Bibles, go to Jeremiah chapter 29. It's just a couple couple books before Daniel, not too far. Jeremiah chapter 29, starting in verse 10. Actually, let me read verse 11, because this is the famous one. Jeremiah 29, this is the famous one. Like, everyone kind of uses this this verse. As I read it, I'm going to look up, and if you've heard this verse, just raise your hand. Ready? For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. Who's heard that verse before? It's a great verse, right? We usually read it out of context, which makes you sit there and go, especially for those of you that, maybe the NIV says it this way, I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper, right? Is that the word? Prosper. And you're sitting there going, cha-ching. Don't we think prosper means my bank account's going to grow? That's what it must mean, right? So we read that verse, take it out of context. Man, that verse makes it to like doilies. It makes it to Thomas Kincaid paintings. This is the verse, man. We love this verse. But when you read it in the context, it changes it. When you go back to verse 10, listen to what God says. For thus says the Lord... When 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will visit you and I will fulfill to you my promise and bring you back to this place. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. You ever notice 10 not really ever included? Because 10 means you're not moving for 70 years. You're staying put for 70 years. Guys, you know why this is such a hope-filled verse? is because in the midst, here's God disciplining his people, training them up. Guys, he's not abandoning them. He didn't get rid of them. Guys, we need to go back to the idea God is a good, good father. He adores us. He loves us. But because God loves us, he will call us to the mat. He will confront us. He will convict us for our good. So when you sit there going, God, I don't understand, and this is so hard, and it feels like you're gone, and it feels like things are out of control, and maybe we can look and go, God, I've never seen our nation like this, and it seems like the world is out of control, and everyone's fighting against this, and everyone's picking sides, and God's gonna sit there and go, I know, but I know the plans I have for you. Like, trust me, I know the plans that I have for you. Plans for your welfare. I don't want to harm you. To give you a future and a hope. And then you see God's heart. Listen. Verse 12. Then you will call upon me. And come and pray to me. And I will hear you. Friends, if you ever feel like I've prayed. And it just feels like it hits the ceiling. And bounces right back in my face. Ignore the feeling. And trust the word. When you pray, God hears every time. Amen. Every time. And at no point does he go, I didn't catch that. Can you say it again? Guys, he is intently listening as if you are the only person on the planet when you speak. Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me, and I will hear you. Here it is. You will seek me and find me. When you seek me with all your heart, I will be found by you. Oh. And yet, don't you sit there and go, Brian, I feel like I'm doing this. And it feels like the worst game of hide and seek. Like, why does he he make us play the game? Guys, this isn't a game we're playing. Guys, it's a purpose that he's building within us. The drive. I remember I I was going through a time and I'd I'd get to this passage and go, God, it feels like, okay, you tell me I, I am. God, I'm seeking you with everything I got and you say that I'll find you, but I don't know that I'm seeing it. So what does this mean? Like, what am I missing? And then this picture came to my mind and I've never forgotten it. I remember when my boys were little like Tyler's about four, Dylan's about two, they're walking. I mean, f- of course Tyler's at four, is walking, but Dylan's two, so sometimes he looks like a drunk monkey just kind of walking around, just kind of doing his thing, right? So it's time to play hide and seek. And so they go hide first and I go in the kitchen. I remember our, our, house, our first house was so tiny. So I'm in the kitchen and I'm counting as long as I can because I'm just sitting in there talking to my wife and they're all hiding. But they're not, really, they're not great at hiding, especially Dylan at two. It's like he looks at his table, he's like, oh, there it is. And his diaper butt's hanging out the top. I mean, that's it. I mean, you just walk, in, there he is. So I'm counting. I get, or it's just a 10, 7, 8, sit down for dinner. They'll still hide. He's like, oh, we got peace. 9, 10, and then you hear, when I say 10, they start going. <laughs> so I got to walk out and pretend. I'm like, I become this Oscar-worthy actor. I'm like, oh, where's Dylan? I can't find him. He's right here. Dylan is such a good hider. (laughs) I know he sounds like, he doesn't really laugh like a demon, but I can't do a kid laugh. So I'm like, where is he? I can't find him. And Tyler's under the table with his feet hanging out where I can see him. like, guys, I can't. Kelly, do you see him? I don't see him. And you just go as long as you can. And then you find him, and you pull Tyler out and just... Fling, fling them across the room and you pick up Dylan and move them around and they're like this is great <laughs> then it's my turn to hide and I don't believe I don't believe that you just give away trophies or give away wins you gotta earn it <laughs> right I just I think you gotta earn it even <laughs> even four year old and two year old hide and seek I'm like I'm not gonna make this easy but not horribly hard, but enough, you gotta do some seeking. So I go down the hall, not a long hall, but down the hall, and there's our bedroom, and I go behind our door, and I can see down the crack, I can see down the hallway. My boys are in the kitchen, Kelly's in there, helping him count. Tyler's got like the hang of it, and <laughs> Dylan says, Dylan's just making noises. He's like, Don, doop, Wait!" and I'm like, what? Is, is something backing up outside? At some point, you get to dump it. I'm thinking that's seven because that's the only one with two syllables. Uh, and then they get to this part of the end. When did not they come? <laughs> like, oh, Dylan, you sound great. Here we go. So then they start they start looking, and Kelly comes out. Come on, look, look, look. So no joke. You'd see Dylan walk behind the table, and I'm like. It's pretty obvious I'm not there. Tyler's looking under the table where he was. Pretty obvious. I don't fit under there. So then, my wife says, Why don't you check down the hall? So Tyler starts going, but it gets darker the closer you get to our room. So here's Tyler. Dylan's just walking behind. <laughs> it's kind of clueless, it's kind of like <laughs> just walking around. And Tyler, all of a sudden, I remember seeing him do this. He gets to some point and he goes, and he takes Dylan and he puts him in front. <laughs> he looks like this wannabe Navy SEAL. He's like, I got you. I got you. And Dylan says, well, whatever, here we go. <laughs> then, so then they get to the door, and Tyler gets he gets nervous. He's like, no, he's not down here. So he's like, come on, Dylan. And so Dylan turns around, they start to walk away. And from behind the door, I go, oh. <laughs> They start coming again. Dylan in the front. <laughs> no, they start to back up again. I make the same noise. They keep coming. They start to, it just goes back and forth. So the last time I make the noise, they start to come out. And I just jumped out on them. I was like, ah! Oh, done." just goes, ah! hits the ground, he might, have, he, he might have dropped something in his shorts, but he's wearing a diaper, so it didn't matter. Tyler just takes off running. So there I am with Dylan, and I'm just rolling around and shaking him. He's like, <laughs> and so he's having a blast. And I remember that picture came in my mind, and I was like, God, is that what it's like? Is it like hide and seek, where when I'm going the wrong way, you will make the noise because you want to be found by me. I've never forgotten that picture. And during those times where it just seems like, God, where did you go? I come back to that picture because it coincides. It goes with the scriptures. God's saying, when you seek me with all your heart, I will be found by you. But why does he say, you got to seek me with all your heart? Is it because he's insecure? Is he codependent? No. Guys, that is the best thing that God can invite us to. If God is the greatest good, then the greatest good that God could do is to invite us to himself who is the greatest good. Anything less than that is not the greatest good, and so God's just like, I want to, s- to seek me. But why make a seek, guys? Because I believe it blesses the heart of God. And when I don't feel it, and my heart is hurting and I'm just saying, God, where are you? God, I just want to know you're here. I know his heart breaks because I hurt, but I know his heart is touched because I want him. And every dad wants to be, every dad wants to be loved and sought after and wanted. Guys, I remember did anybody watch Power Rangers growing up? Okay. okay. I'll be careful with what I say here. So here's the thing. Shh, 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 shh. I remember. When my boys were little, they come in and they go, Dad, did you see today's Power Rangers? And I didn't make a habit of watching it by myself. I didn't just sit down in my chair, everyone's gone, Power Rangers. <laughs> they did, and they would come and, Dad, do you know what happened today? Guys, I hadn't even seen it. I would have guessed that everything was fine, some pretty bad acting and then you get into this place where there's gonna be a fight because this big guy is taken over and then the Power Rangers, they unite and they go and they fight and then, and then they start to win but then they start to lose because the dude gets big and then they get big and then they jack him up. I'm pretty sure that's how everything ends but I didn't say that. I was like, no, tell me. And then they tell me all that. <laughs> and why did I ask him to tell me? Because I wanted to know what happened on Power Rangers? No, could care less. You know why you know, I wanted to tell me? Because I loved it when my boys just wanted to talk to me. Guys, and I'm, not a, I'm an evil father compared to the good, good father. God just loves to hear us speak to him and to seek after him. It blesses his heart. And it builds us up. But it's that waiting that's hard, isn't it? Isn't it hard in the waiting time? Because you start to question whether or not you're doing it correctly. Did I do something wrong? I'm not feeling it. God, are you gonna come through? Some of you guys am I to be going through that you went through that hard thing and you shared it last night what you've been broken with, but you know when you get down that hill, you're gonna jump right back into it. You're gonna sit there and go, God, what are you doing? I guess, is something gonna change now? It's almost like you can leave here going, okay, I know when I get back, it's all back. I mean it's it's, it's not back to normal, it's so good. And then you get home and it maybe it got worse. So what do you do again you go back to the scriptures and you let god minister to your soul in lamentations chapter 3 verse 22 friends just listen to this i don't know if i share i don't remember if i shared this with you because i've been here for a couple weeks i don't know who i said what to what i remember the first two days of meadow i had all this weight that i put on myself like i need to convince these kids about jesus all the while forgetting to invite Jesus to do his work and I'll just do my part. I thought it was on me. and My time alone with him was just kind of, it was mediocre and I did it, but there wasn't much coming from it. And I remember I thought, you know what? It was a Tuesday morning. I set my alarm for five and I walked the lake and, you know, did I say this already? I walked, you know, the, 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 there's those uh, benches along the, the route of the lake. I found one by myself and then I took it over. So people are walking by, and I've got stuff spread out. I'm like, it's great to meet you, but don't sit down. This is Jesus' spot. And I got to Psalm 136, and it talked about this one phrase over and over, the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. It repeated that over and over and over and over and over, and as if the Holy Spirit had to remind me, I don't need you. I want you. Why don't you just come back to the fact that my love never ceases? My steadfast love never ceases. It endures forever. Just get back to that. Oh, my time with Jesus was sweet and everything changed for the rest of the week. I bring you to this passage cuz listen, the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They, his mercies are new every morning. Guys, that word new in the Hebrew in verse 23, it doesn't mean like there's leftovers of his mercies. The word new there is brand new. A brand new kind. Brand new. Every time he says, making new mercies. They're new every morning. And then he says this, great is your faithfulness. So during those seasons, friends, I will not... I won't sugarcoat it. I will not say, because you surrendered to Jesus, when you get home, it will always, every single day, feel fantastic. But what I promise you is this. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is his faithfulness. And then listen to what it says next. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I will hope in him. Guys, when you look up the translation for the word hope, it's also the word wait. Wait and hope go together. It's synonymous. And we don't do well with waiting, do we? Everything's instant now. You can binge watch anything you want instantly. I, can, I, here, I, can, I know we don't like to wait. Here's the thing. Have you ever... You have been to Starbucks, you order your drink, someone orders behind you, and they get it first? They get it before you? And you're sitting there, and especially you've got like some Jesus shirt on, so you can't just lose it on the barista. She's so you just sitting there, it's like, it's okay, it's okay, it's okay, and then the person behind that person gets their drink before you, and you're going, oh, Lord, I pray that you would give me strength for the persecution that I'm experiencing. <laughs> I know that this is the devil's ploy. We're just not good at waiting. We're always in a hurry to get where? We don't know. We're just going. Guys, when you learn to wait, you learn to hope. And the only reason that you would wait is because you will hope in God. You will, ha- you will learn to hope. And you will learn to, I'm sorry, you will learn to wait when you actually place all of your hope in God and you trust that he will come through because you believe that great is his faithfulness. He goes on. The Lord is good to those who wait for him, to the soul who seeks him. It is good that one should wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. You hear the word that's repeated? Wait, learn to wait. It's good that you wait, wait, wait. You're like, I don't want to. Then you won't experience the ultimate of goodness. Guys, as long as we keep saying, I don't like that part, that part's hard, God's gonna sit there and go, I know, but there is blessing that comes from going through the things that are hard. So we learn to wait, we learn to hope, but guys, the word hope that we use today is not the same word that they used, that they used for hope then. Our hope is this, well, I hope so. I ho- I'm not sure, but I hope I can. Hey, can you come over? I hope so. You ever that person ask if you could come over? but you really don't want to, but you don't have the heart to tell them no. So you say something like, um, God, yeah, I hope so. Which really is the nice way of saying no. Guys, that's, what, that's not what this means. Hope is this. Hope is knowing. Knowing that God is going to come through. It is certain. I mean, there's no question in your mind So it's not like we're sitting there and life's just kicking us in the side and we just lay down and take it. No, no, no. It's like, I hope he shows up. I don't know if he will. No, no, no. When life kicks you down, just stand back up. And yeah, you may limp or you may have some scar because of how life's treating you. But because we hope in the Lord, we're not sitting there going, I don't know if he'll show up. No, no. I know he'll show up. And if I have to take a beating right now, that's okay. But I know he's coming through because he will not give up on me. So I will wait on the promise of God. Because God will come through for me. Friends, we're not we're not the victims. Mikey brought it up last night that when you are in Christ, when you come to Christ, you are a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. So, what do we do in the waiting? You wait, and you hope, and you see God in His Word, and you seek God in prayer, and then you get back to the mission. An old school preacher said this every Christian is a missionary or an imposter. Guys, I think the word missionary is misused. Because if you're going to be a missionary, you have to have a passport because you're going somewhere else on a plane. Friends, I remind our people back at home, the ones that God has entrusted to me, the church that I get to love and care for. I remind them over and over, hey, your mission field starts in your zip code. Friends, if you won't go across the street, you shouldn't go across the world. Guys, there should never be a point. Think about it. I'm going to say, this is going to sound so weird. Have you heard this this thing called COVID? (laughs) So During that time. Guys, I'm not going to lie. There was a blessing. There's blessings that came from it, and one of them was this. It forced us to actually speak to our neighbors. <laughs> Think about it. Did anybody have more conversation with your neighbors? Because it's like, what else are we going to do? We're all outside. I don't want to be inside anymore. How often do we pull, our gr- we pull our cars out of the garage to go to a Sunday morning worship service or youth group and pass by all the houses that are our mission field to go and to sing songs to God And then we come back and we pass all the same houses that are a mission field and pull our cars back into the garage, shut the door, and then we wait for the next time we can go sing to God, all the while disobeying the commandment to go make disciples. Friends, your mission field starts in your zip code. And the time is now. Friends, we have the remedy. Like we have the remedy, the problem, the world is Jesus. Jesus is the remedy. Sin is the problem. Guys, we can, keep, we can keep singling out sins and just deal with those specific ones or we deal with the root. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, it also tells us that we are agents of reconciliation. Our job is to bring reconciliation to people, first between them and God, and then show them what, it's look, what it looks like to have reconciliation between each other. Friends, I love diversity so long, as there, so long as there is something that unifies diversity. To just say that we're different means nothing, guys. The world does that, but what if the church comes along and goes, "Hey, we got all these different people groups in this thing called the church. We got different languages spoken. We got different perspectives. Oh, but there's this unifying factor. I can stand next to, I can stand next to a black brother." of mine who's in our church and worship Jesus because he's the focal point. He's the one who unifies us. (laughs) Guys, we can show the world what it looks like. Guys, we've been given a mission. The mission is this. First and foremost, love God with everything you got. That's the greatest commandment. Love them with everything you got. The second, love people. That's the second commandment. And then you go to the Great Commission in Matthew 28. And Jesus, think about it. Jesus is standing there on a mountain. And he's looking at the disciples who showed up. And he says, all authority in heaven has been given to me. Guys, you know why that's so impressive? Because the guy that said it was dead, and now he's alive. And do you realize that Jesus kept all the scars when he had his resurrection, when he got his resurrected body? He kept the scars. So that, that God, that person right there, who's God, he's saying, hey, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, because I have all the might and I have all the right, go. Friends, I just preached on this topic about four months ago at a small little young adult thing. And they asked, hey, can you preach on the Great Commission? I'm like, heck yes. Oh my gosh, yes. So I thought I should study it still. Guys, I got to that word go. Guys, do you realize it's not a verb in the original language? It's not a command. What the scriptures actually teach is this. In your coming and going, make disciples. In your coming and going, So, this is how I challenge our people back at home. Every morning you should wake up and say, God, who's the one? Who's the one you want me to impact with the gospel today in my coming and going? Wherever you go, always looking around. God, who is it? Who is it? Who is it? Who is it? Therefore, go and make disciples, followers, students, pupils, Not just converts, not just people who said, I had an experience and I raised my hand and I repeated a prayer. Now I can live however I want. No, no, no. Go make followers of Jesus. And then baptize those followers in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And teach those followers to obey everything that Jesus has commanded. You sit there and go, Brian, that is too big. You know how many people on the planet don't know I mean, they don't know Jesus. The majority of the world don't know Jesus. And isn't it beautiful that the last thing that Jesus said was not just that. The last thing he says, and catch this. I will be with you to the very end of the age. Think about it. The one who was dead and it was alive. The one covered in scars because of us and for us says, I won't leave you. I'm not going to forsake you. I'll be with you to the very end of the age. Guys, we can hold on to that. Christians, followers of Jesus, this should give us some oomph. This should give us some mojo, like we're ready to go. Instead of playing it timid. I, this uh, quote that I read a long time ago, and this guy's name, I love his name. I wish I had it. His name is C.T. Studd. I'm like, dang, like, that, that's a sick name. Guys, he wrote this down. I wrote in my notes. Just before I, um, before I walked over, I, I thought, man, I want to share this. He said, let us not, I mean, I, sorry, it's 49. Let us not glide through this world and then slip quietly into heaven without having blown the trumpet loud and long for our Redeemer, Jesus Christ, Let us see to it that when the devil, I'm sorry, let us see to it that the devil will hold a thanksgiving service in hell when he gets the news of our departure from the field of battle. Dang. When I read that, I'm like, oh, come on, here it is. Let's go. Get the boys together, get the girls together, get the warriors together. Why? Because we're gonna fight the world? No. We're gonna fight for the world, not against the world. We go after the world, not against the world. Friends, they need Jesus. They need Jesus. Friends, we got to change our perspective on things. It's the last passage I'm going to share, and I'll be done. In Romans chapter 8, starting in verse 31, what then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? Guys, can you hold on to that? If God is for us, well. Who could be against us? And you say, there's like four people that hate my guts. Yeah, but God's for you. Like the one who breathed out the sun. The one who's always been. The one who's in charge of life and death. I mean, the omnipotent, all-powerful one. He's for you, not against you. Verse 32. "He He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised. Who is at the right end of God. Who indeed is interceding for us. Right now, what Jesus is doing, guys, his ministry to us hasn't stopped because he ascended. He intercedes for us constantly. Why? Because we have an adversary. We have an accuser. And when Jesus says, no, no, they're mine, he intercedes on our behalf. He's constantly saying, no, 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 they surrendered to me. They belong to me. Your accusations mean nothing. That is his ministry to us now. Verse 35, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it's written, Paul goes back to the scriptures, for your sake, we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No, 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 there it is. In all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Let me say it again. In all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure Catch this. Friends, the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. It always endures. For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord and all of God's people say Amen, Amen. So here's what I'm going to do well, we're going to close in prayer and as I begin to pray and this is for everyone in the room as I pray and when you agree with anything that I've said Realizing we've been called to a mission, we're called to go out, but we act differently. We love our enemies. We pray for those who persecute us. We show love and care and kindness and grace. Why? So that that they will look at our good deeds and give glory to our God and give praise to our God who's in heaven. We act differently. Not because we want to act and fake it. No, because we've been changed. And that's what our king has called us to. So as I begin to pray, if you're saying, God, I'm all in, I'm all in for the mission, then I want you to stand just quietly, not yet, not yet, when I pray. And when you stand, I just want you to take your hands and just open them up to your sides like this. Does that make sense? It's like you're just saying, here I am, God, here I am. And if you don't mean it, then don't stand, be honest. There's no shame, I'm not, there's no condemnation, you're just not there yet. But for those to say, I'm in, and you may ask, well, Brian, What can we do? Friends, Jesus started with 12. And there are millions of people who have followed Jesus since then. So here's the thing. Go back to your schools. Introduce people to Jesus. Pray for this revival. Man, see the whole school come to Christ and let the state pay for a Christian school. That's the goal. You say, oh, it's too big. Then your view of God is way too small. We got to get back to the, hey, God can do some sweet stuff. I'm going to have the audacity to ask. So as I pray, if you're in, you'll stand and just put your hands to the side. Say, God, I'm in. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you that you came for us. You died for us. You came back from the dead for us. And you called us to go and share with the world. You told us to go make disciples. And God, I pray, I pray, I ask for your forgiveness. God, we haven't been We've been so busy putting on events and programs, and a lot of it has nothing to do with making disciples. We've just stayed busy, religiously busy, while disobedient to the Great Commission. God, oh, Holy Spirit, anoint us. Empower us and appoint us to the mission. God, would you show us just who's the one? Who's the one when we go down the hill? God, who's the one? And help us to impact, help us to see them pass from death to life. God, use us God, we are awake. We, your church, are ready to be used. So God, I pray you would send us out and give us, the, give us the grace and the boldness to be obedient. And in all that you do, God, to you be all the praise, all the glory, and all the honor for you alone are worthy. And we pray this in Jesus' name. And all of Christ's followers say, amen. amen. Love you more than you know.